Last night we were uh, looking at uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14 when the, the angels visited the shepherds and tonight we're going to look at the results of that, what happened. Uh, this morning we're going to look at the result, what happened after the shepherds met these angels and they, and they went to, uh, to, to Bethlehem to see uh, what had happened. Um, you know, there's, there's a difference between knowledge and experience. In the spring of 2003, I was gearing up for a choir tour uh, that took us throughout uh, central France, central uh, and, and southwestern uh, France. And one of the places that I was most looking forward to was going to the cathedral of what we call Notre Dame. I think people in French say it differently, but uh, the cathedral of Notre Dame. And in pre- preparation for this, I I read as much as I could. I wanted to know what was this place like? What was I going to see? How was it going to look? How was it going to feel? Uh, what was this experience going to, to be like that? I could, um, I could have said that I knew an awful lot about uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. But when we started going through the tour of this amazing cathedral, all that knowledge and everything that I knew uh, before coming there, kind of faded in the splendor and the beauty of actually having been there. And to add to that experience, our choir director was bold enough to ask our tour guide if we could put on an impromptu concert right there in the cathedral. And that, that, that uh, request was granted, and we got to sing some of the most glorious music as a public school choir singing the glories of Christ Jesus in Notre Dame Cathedral. And it was just an amazing experience. But I would have missed that incredible experience if I would have just been content on knowing a lot about the cathedral. You know, and the same thing could be said about Jesus as well. It's one thing to hear about him. It's one thing to understand Jesus as he is presented in this book. But it is another thing altogether to experience him for yourself in faith. And our story from last night continues this morning as we read from the shepherds. They're, they're moving to, to Bethlehem to see what is going on. And through their story at the first Christmas, we can learn how to truly experience Christmas for ourselves. So if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 2, I invite you to read along with me. We're going we're gonna to start in verse 8, even though that's not where I'm going to be landing so much this morning, just to get a context for uh, where we're going this morning. So uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping their watch, uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. There will be for all the people. Notice it didn't say some, but all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together. Father, our desire this morning is to bring an offering of worship to our King. Father, would you help our hearts and our minds to be prepared for the word that you have um, that you have prepared for us. Lord, would it be uh, brought on with receiving ears? And uh, Father, I pray that you would use me in spite of me, in spite of what I've written, that, uh, that your spirit would work in our hearts this morning, and that Christ would be honored and glorified in all that we say, think, and do. And it's in his precious name that we ask this. Amen. Well, Christmas is a special time every year. It's, it's a time to gather with friends and family and and really just in, enjoy them. Uh, just enjoy them. But as good as those things are, in order to truly experience Christmas, we must take on certain qualities that this text impresses upon us this morning. And those qualities are faith, wonder, and praise. Faith, wonder, and praise. Let's take those individually. First, let us live in faith. Let us live in faith. Verse 8 recounts that there were shepherds out in the fields that were uh, watching over their flocks by, by night. These shepherds, for them, it, it couldn't have been a more normal night. This is something that they would have done day in and day out. They would have seen these sheep come. They should, would have seen the sheep go. Uh, this would have been uh, something that they were completely used to. But as we saw yesterday afternoon, it was anything but normal. Because these shepherds were uh, visited by an angel and who appears to these shepherds with such a threatening appearance that indeed these shepherds thought that they were going to die. They had such an amazing presence uh, that they feared for their lives. And the angel quickly reassures them with, with good news. He says, fear not, don't worry. It's okay, I bring you good news, and it reassures them that Christ had been born. And in the midst of their confusion and their fear of what they're experiencing with this angel, their words would have resonated with the shepherds. They would have understood at least what this angel was talking about. These shepherds would have been Hebrew men. They would have grown up somewhere in Israel. They would have been taught the scriptures, and they would have been taught what those scriptures meant. Further, at this particular time in Israel's history, most of Israel had a heightened awareness at this point that the Messiah was coming very soon. So they were anticipating it to a, a certain extent. But what was completely surprising about this visit was that the, the, the angel did not go to the highest dignitaries in the land. They didn't go to the princes. They didn't go to the kings. They didn't go to the celebrities. They didn't do any of that. They went to shepherds. Now, shepherds, though they're, they're viewed highly by God throughout Scripture, you read Scripture and, and God says nothing bad about shepherds in 
Israel, though they were necessary for economic and religious reasons, they weren't very well respected within the community of Israel. Uh, because of their very nature of their occupation, they weren't able to keep the cleanliness laws very well. They were dirty. They couldn't bathe as much as they could. They couldn't wash their hands before they ate. Uh, they, they weren't able to get to the temple as often as the Jewish leaders would have wanted them to go. They were therefore considered ceremonially unclean and unable to participate in most of the religious activities that would have gone on in the, the life of Israel. But, though that's how the shepherds were looked at among religious leaders and others in their community, that is not the way that God viewed the shepherds. In God's eyes, these were just the kind of men that he was looking for to reveal his good news to. People who would share an occupation with his son. Them, as shepherds of sheep, Jesus as shepherd, uh, shepherd of people. And amidst this announcement, the shepherds were the one kind of people that were considered worthy enough to be an audience into a heavenly scene. Remember the skies break open and these, this army of angels come uh, come out of the sky and they're, they're exclaiming the praises of God. Now it's interesting to note that these are shepherds that are witnessing this. The only other person that gives to us such a, a view of heaven with angels exclaiming God's praise is the Apostle John. So look at the, the, the juxtaposition here. The only other person to have witnessed something like this was an apostle. But yet who are these people? They're shepherds. But yet they get a view of what is going on here. And, and just as quickly as this angelic army appeared, they just as quickly disappear. And the shepherds were left with a choice. They could be content to just sit on the knowledge that the angel had told them, great, this Messiah was born, fantastic, but we got a few sheep here that we got to watch over for. We'll just keep that in the back of their minds. They could have chosen to, to stay there. Or they could have chosen to get up and go see this one that Israel had been waiting for since the dawning of humanity. And the choice was really quite obvious. If you see them in, in verse 15, it, it, it tells us that they went with haste. They went very quickly to go see Jesus. Now, it's interesting to note that it, it, it says here that the shepherds went very, very quickly, but when we look on our lives, for some reason, the choice is not always that easy for us. We hear the truth about Jesus. We hear how he died on our behalf. We hear that we don't have to have punishment. We don't have to bear the punishment for our sins. And we, we, we know that we live lives of guilt and regret and shame. And we hear all about how Jesus has taken away those things from us. But yet, for some reason, we take all that in, but we fail to make like these shepherds and flee to Jesus as fast as we can. It may have seemed obvious to us because we're looking back here in hindsight but to these shepherds, running these two miles to Bethlehem, however long it would have taken them, was really an act of faith. 
Sure, these angels showed up. Sure, they all saw what was going on, but perhaps their word wouldn't come true. Perhaps maybe it was some demonic vision that they saw that was playing a big trick on them. But they went on in simple belief and faith. And so strong was their, their faith here that I think the text implicitly, it doesn't tell us explicitly, but I think implicitly it is telling us that these shepherds left their responsibility of watching over the sheep to go and check out this baby Jesus who had been born. And after they made up their minds to go, it says that they, they, they went very quickly. And there's no way that they could have organized these sheep together in the middle of the night to say, hey, we're going to take this whole flock and go to Bethlehem. There's no way that they could have done it. So what we need to see here is that they trusted that these, this message that the angels gave so much, they believed in faith that this message was true, that they trusted that if they left their sheep to go and check out this baby Jesus, then God was big enough to take care of their sheep for them as they left. And if there's anything that we can take from this text, it's that when we trust Christ in faith, we don't need to worry about getting our act together. We don't need to herd the sheep in our lives and then go to Jesus. We can freely run to him trusting that if he is great enough to take care of all of those things in our lives that we think we need to deal with, he is big enough to take care of those things that we can run after Christ wholeheartedly and he'll take care of the rest. And if that's, if that's the case, I hope you've put your trust in him. I have hope that you have seen and heard the news of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And then you can take him at his word. Scripture here says that he is worthy and that he is able to clean up the mess of your life. That he is able to look on your background. He is able to look at what, what is going on. And he's able to clean you up. We can't do it ourselves. But he is worthy and he is able. And if he is worthy and if he is able, what are you waiting for? What is there left to take care of? Run to Jesus. Your guilt, your shame, your sin, your worries, your fears, your anxieties, they all find their rest in the one who is resting in the manger. We can go to him in faith. If, you, if we want to experience Christmas in all of its facets, we must live in faith. But added to that, though, is our second point, and that is that we must live in wonder. We must live in wonder. As humans, we're wired to be in awe. We have been programmed by God to have our breath taken away every now and then. I don't know if you've ever traveled on, on Highway 23 going up to Duluth, and as you're 
uh, taking Highway 23 going up to, to Duluth, uh, there is a, a spot there that's simply breathtaking. As you're driving along, it, it's beautiful because there's trees on the right and the left. And as you're making your way, if you're going too fast, you might miss it. But there's this little bluff on the left-hand side if you're going to the north that's an overlooked spot. That if you slow down just slow enough to look over to your left, there's a stunning view of miles of forestry and God's creation. And it's meant to just take your breath away and say, wow. You have to keep your eyes on the road too, by the way. But it, it is, it's stunningly beautiful. When we, look at, when we look over the Grand Canyon, when we, uh, when we can look over the Royal Gorge or the Appalachians or, or even the Black Hills for that matter, there is something in us that is programmed to not respond with words. We are programmed to respond with complete awe and wonder and beauty. But unfortunately, a lot of those times, it's not those sorts of moments that command our attention. For many of us, we would rather be wowed with some amazing catch at an NFL game, uh, perhaps the pristine condition of an old car, or the high note that our favorite singer can hit on that song, or a perfectly cooked dish, or whatever it, whatever it is. We so easily settle for lesser things and lower our standards that we miss what we are created for and sadly don't often know the difference. When the shepherds made it to the manger, they had a story to tell. It was a story like none other. And those who were in the stable, it made an impression on them. After It wasn't every day that a shepherd would leave his sheep and then just to go see a baby that was born in a cattle stall. But yet here they are in town telling a story about how an angel visited them and led them to the spot where they were to see this baby who is the Messiah. Now, if you look in verse 18, uh, it, it says that those who were with Mary and Joseph wondered about this saying. Now, more than likely, this is not the kind of wonder that I'm talking about. Because more than likely, what was happening is these people that were with Mary and Joseph were probably midwives that were ministering to Mary in that, that post-birth uh, things that need to go on. And so when these shepherds just show up in what was probably the cave that they were staying in, for these uh, midwives or whoever they were, it wasn't a sense of, Oh, wow, just this wonder. It was probably more like, this is kind of weird. What are these shepherds doing here? Shepherds usually don't show up at births. And it was probably just more strange to them because they didn't know the background story. But Mary and Joseph did. Both of them had been visited by angels before. Both of them had known the story before they had come. They both knew that Mary was a virgin. They both knew that virgins typically don't get pregnant. So this didn't surprise them at all. But it did create a further confirmation and sense of awe in Mary. Look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. Now this is really conveying the idea of Mary having a sense of awe and wonder 
as she is stewing all of these things over in her mind, not only the events that have happened in the last nine to ten months, but also the reality of who this child is and what his birth represents. In essence, she listens to the story of the shepherds and looks down at this sweet baby, and she doesn't just see a baby. She sees a spiritual Grand Canyon, breathtaking, that this is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And I, I have to wonder if you ever join Mary in that sort of introspection. You can look back on your life, you can look back on the good times, and you can look back on the difficult times, you can look back on the failures, you can look back at the successes, and when you look to Jesus, you see a spiritual Grand Canyon filled with awe and wonder because how in the world could I have gotten where I am right now without him? It's with awe and wonder. You can look back at what your life was once like and you can assess that Christ has delivered you from to what he has delivered you to. Some of us have rough backgrounds with difficult home lives and Christ delivered you from that. Some of us may be going through that now and we're anticipating the deliverance that he will, that he will bring. Some of us may have been in bondage to some serious sin and Christ has brought us through it. We can look back at the events and say that they never would have happened if Christ hadn't stepped in and said that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made great in your weakness. Perhaps the reason for our lack of joy and wonder is that we are far too easily content with lesser wonders. We need to be in wonder of Christ. So to fully experience Christmas, we must have faith, we must have wonder, and finally, we got to live in and praise live in praise. The shepherds had moved from fact, knowing about this Christ child, and now had moved uh, to the proper response, which was faith and praise. Look with me in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They left the stable, and in all likelihood, these shepherds Probably never saw Jesus ever again. By the time that Jesus started his ministry, which was probably a little over 30 years or so after this meeting, most of these shepherds were probably dead. But that did not mean that their lives were not changed. Their lives were changed greatly from meeting this Messiah. And for that, what did they do? It says that they glorified God and they praised him. This is not a unique pattern by any means. Just hours before when they saw the angels do the same thing, they saw the angel give the announcement. And what happens immediately after the angel gives the announcement? A party of praise breaks out among the angels. There's the good news 
and then there's praise. This happens all over through the Gospel of Luke, and it begs the question for every single one of us, are we going to follow suit? Are we going to live our lives the same way? Are we going to look upon this Christ child and ponder in our hearts what his life would mean for us and give glory to him? Are we going to look at this Christ child and treasure in our hearts what his death would mean for us and will we give praise in response? Because here is the deal. Christmas means that God has paved a way for you and for me to be forgiven and free. And by faith, wonder, and praise, you can truly experience not just Christmas in all of its glory, but you can experience life. You can experience life in all of its glory. Knowing something is vastly different than experiencing it. And today on Christmas, and on every other day, you and I are invited to fully embrace life because of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And if that's your desire, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Let's make like these shepherds and let's flee to Jesus as hard and as fast as we can. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for what it means. But Lord, Christmas also invites us to take a hard look at ourselves. It invites us to see where we are in our lives with you and perhaps with others. And it invites us to flee to Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning that needs to flee to you, whether in return or for the first time, Father, I pray that you would make strong their feeble knees, that you would give breath in their lungs to flee to him. Love him, adore him, put their faith in him, and praise him. Would you do that work this Christmas morning? And it's in Christ's name that we ask this. Amen. Let's stand together. And let's sing a response.